welcome back to the podcast. This is season three, episode 10. And today we are here with our first guest who is a native German. I know we've had some expats from Germany before, but now we're talking to a native speaker. This is going to be really nice for me as well because Toby, Tobias, is actually a personal friend of mine. So it'll be nice to hear more about his polyglot experiences. Now let's get right into it with Toby. Hey Toby, thanks for making time for us today. Hi Gabby, thank you for having me. My pleasure. I hope we end the podcast before I run out of smart things to say. Yeah, don't worry. Then I'll just start laughing and people will be like, what's going on here? But we'll be fine. <laughs> Toby, you've been working now for eight years with flexword.de. They're for translations and localization. What do you do for them? Exactly. Flexword is language service provider. So the core business is translations, but we do other language related services as well. I work with the customer relations department. So I'm not a translator. I'm also not a project manager. I focus on establishing customer relations, business relations, try to find new customers for our company, organize business meetings, customer service, stuff like that. I'm on the phone most of my working days. All right. And do you do that mostly in German or in English as well? We have a team. One part of the team is responsible for the German market. And we have another part of the team that focuses on the international customers, clients that we have. Me and my Part of the team, we focus on the German-speaking market. That would be mostly Germany, Switzerland, Austria. All yeah. right. So you, you guys are focusing on DACH, that area. The DACH area. area exactly, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very cool. Flex words. As you mentioned, they have an international market. You have locations in Germany, US, UK, and Serbia. So since... You have all of those different nationalities working together. Do you have a work language that you use? How do you handle that? That has changed over time. When I started working with Flexword eight years ago, we were a much smaller company than we are right now. We just had our main office in Mannheim and the staff was basically German. So the working language was German without any uh, doubt or difficulties. But then we grew and then the new offices were founded and established. Over time, we switched to English as our working language because we do have some colleagues in Serbia, for example, who also speak German, but our colleagues in London, for example, they prefer English. So to have a common language, everyone can communicate and we use English. All right, very nice. What was the hardest part of that transition for you guys? For me personally, I was used to speaking German, also to making our documentation in German. So when we realized that it would be more beneficial to do that in English, I sometimes struggled with finding the right wording. I realized this a while back when I revisited some of my older notes in our system where I wrote something in English, but in a very weird English. Now that I read it, I think, why did I 
put it that way? Why did, did I express it in such a complicated manner? And I think this is because back then I wasn't used to English and, and my level of English wasn't that good. But with time and with practice, you become more comfortable and more professional in a way using English in a professional environment. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. Most people think when you get better at a language, that means you're more complex. But from your point there, the better that you get, it's much more simple to express your ideas. I hadn't thought about it that way before. Good point. Especially when documenting something or writing down something, most of the time it's better to be short and precise. And for that, actually, you need some sort of practice to get to the point where you're able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Besides using English for work, how do you feel you've had more practice with English since then? Most of the time, my phone calls are still in German. The communication with our customers is still in German. But I have a colleague who only speaks English, usually sitting right next to me. Now we all work from home, but before the pandemic, we, we would sit right next to each other. And whenever he had a question or wanted help with something, then we would immediately switch to English. Also, the text-based communication over our messenger with the colleagues is completely in English. And that helped me get the practice that I needed in order to improve. Yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> I know since I moved to Frankfurt, my German has gotten better because with the volunteer work that we do with the Havasha, the Tigrinya community, since we're spread out all over Europe, most of the time our work language, so to speak, is English. But then in our particular community group, 95% of the helpers German is their native language, so my German has gotten better with you guys' help. <laughs> it definitely has, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Toby, you have a lot of experience with language learning even outside of work. Many years ago, when there was limited internet and texting was new, <laughs> you spent some time in Paraguay. So could you tell us about that? Did you learn how to speak Spanish, Guarani? I want to hear all about that. Oh, you want to hear about Guarani? Okay, so first of all, yes, I, I also went to Paraguay for missionary work. What I did not really know or understand back then was that Paraguay is a bilingual country. While Spanish is the official language, most of the population actually speak and prefer Guarani. So you will definitely have some contact with the Guarani language and you will probably want to learn a few words as well. But when I was there in Paraguay, first of all, I focused on learning Spanish. The area where I lived was also one of the larger cities, you could say, where you could talk to everyone in Spanish. Everyone would understand. If you go to the more rural zones outside the larger cities, then People prefer Guarani. But where I lived, I was fine. I was okay, actually, with Spanish. And I learned it there, actually. Yes, I had it in school, but I felt when I came there, this maybe gave me a foundation, but didn't really help me use Spanish on a daily basis in conversational situations. I had to learn how to use conversational Spanish when I came there. That was completely new to me. I had no practice 
in using Spanish that way before. So with the Spanish in school, was it mostly focusing on grammar or what was it that you felt you weren't prepared for the conversation? Good question. My memory is a little bit blurry. I don't remember much of the Spanish in school. I remember that, or I don't remember that we actually spoke Spanish a lot. Our teacher was a German native speaker. Of course, she spoke and understood Spanish very well. But I always remember our Spanish classes to be mostly in German. And I think while we still learned something about the grammar and phrasing simple sentences, I think the more complex communication was lacking in that part of the education that we received. And that I had to learn from scratch when I came there. I think that's the most important part. If there was more focus on actually talking and, and speaking in the foreign language that you want to learn in school, this would be much more helpful than maybe focusing on grammar lessons. Yeah, that's true. Why do you feel that most classes still focus on that, though, even though most of us realize that? I have had language classes that were very different, privately organized classes or, or with another uh, philosophy behind it. And they have helped me a great deal in learning other languages. It's common knowledge. It's not uh, a secret that the way we learn languages in school is maybe in, in a way even a harmful way because people in, sit in school and think, I will never learn to speak Spanish or English. That's the feeling that you get when you sit in school. So it actually could be harmful or, or not very beneficial to learn Spanish that way. I think that's common knowledge, but why the school system hasn't changed yet, I have no idea. <laughs> okay, that's an honest answer. I think part of it might be that with the past industrial revolutions that we had, everything was very much check boxes. So it's, does this person know how to read? Yes. Do they know how to follow instructions? Yes. But now with this fourth industrial revolution where we're using technology to be a little bit more creative, we have to also make our learning creative. Maybe we need more of a Montessori approach where you give someone the tools and say, okay, you have practice for speaking over here. This book is about grammar. You can look at it as you go along. But when we create check boxes, then people who maybe they've already passed that point, or maybe they're like, I don't need that right away. They get stuck and frustrated. Yeah, I feel the same way. That's also my experience. Also English. I think I left school with a very basic and unsatisfying level of English. It's curious because the language teachers, all of them somehow managed to learn at least one other language. So they know the principles behind it and what works and what doesn't work. But to transfer that to the teaching methods, I think that we're still in the process of adapting to that. Yeah, it's true. We realize it within ourselves, but we have to say one size does not fit all and actually believe it. <laughs> exactly, yes. Now, we mentioned before in our promo for this episode that you speak 
two Germanic languages, German and English, one Romance language, Spanish, and a Semitic language, Tigrinya. So the principles, of course, are similar, but was there anything that was really difficult when you switched between language families that you had to get used to? Yes, the Semitic language family is very different. So I was lacking some of the tools that I had before. When I learned Spanish, some of the words were familiar or sounded familiar because there are certain similarities in the wording or in the vocabulary, even between English and Spanish. That helped me with the vocabulary in Spanish. It was uh, the, the sentence structure was not that far away between English and Spanish. So I felt having been exposed to English and, and Spanish in school, especially helped me with learning new vocabulary more efficiently or faster. Now with Tigrinya, it's very different because there's nothing that that is already there in your mind that you can build upon. So you need to start from scratch. Every word is completely new. It's a completely new combination of sounds that you've never heard before and you have no idea about the meaning. And still is, I guess, one of the most challenging parts of entering into a completely new family of languages. Yeah, the hardest part for me at the beginning was the sounds. <laughs> there are a lot of very throaty sounds. When I started learning, I was still living at home at the time. I was practicing and, and, and my parents came in my room. They're like, are you choking? What's happening? <laughs> so it was just very different. Very different. Exactly. Yeah. That's also something that I had to learn, just like you mentioned it. Uh, new sounds that I haven't, that I have never heard before and never produced <laughs> before myself. That was also different because with Spanish, maybe the R that is pronounced a little bit differently in Spanish, but that's it. You can use the other combination of sounds that you're used to, but with Tigrinya, it's very different, very new and very exciting. And I had fun learning the new sounds. I like them now. I'm used to them now. Yeah, at first it can be very intimidating because Tigrinya has over 200 sounds and over 200 letters. But then once you know it, you're like, yes. <laughs> I got it. Yeah, exactly. Tigrinya, if you're new to it, you might need some time to get used to the sound of the language, but you will like it because it's a beautiful language. I like listening to it, even though it may be a, a hard language with a lot of hard and explosive sounds, but I like the sound of Tigrinya and I love listening to it. Yeah, even most of the songs that they have on YouTube or most of the famous songs, they're about love. Even though if you're hearing it, not knowing the language, you might be wondering, what are they talking about? But it's mostly love songs. Toby, what I'm running into, which maybe you're running into it too, is with these smaller languages, like you said, there's not as many resources. How do you find resources once you get past the intermediate level? Or do you even need them at that point? Is it just trial and error at that point? You refer to Tigrinya specifically now? Yeah. I don't feel that I have gone past the intermediate level yet. 
but I think this is going to be challenging. Yes, there is not much study material. And if there is, it is maybe not presented in a way that is helpful right away, but you have to dig deep and get into the material before it's really helpful and helps you get a deeper knowledge of the grammar. I think what is especially challenging is that if you ask different native speakers, you will get very different answers from very different perspectives. And after that, you end up being more confused than before. I haven't really found a tool that has helped me yet solve all my problems. I feel it is very helpful just listening without pressuring myself into having to understand everything right away, but just listening and trying to maybe even, I don't know if that makes sense, but subconsciously uh, recognize some patterns in the language. And on the long run, you get the feeling for the language. Then maybe if someone asks you, why do you say that, say that way? Then you can't explain it either, like some of our native speaking friends, because you just have the feeling that you have to say it that way. You've heard it many times like that, and then you just start using it yourself and repeating it. That's my way to go for now. If I find that better method, I will let you know. Okay, that is a good method though. That's what kids use. It's called passive listening. So it helps you to, like you said, get the pronunciation in your head so it becomes more second nature. That's a good strategy. What I also find helpful is just, it sounds a little bit weird maybe, but talk to yourself as much as you can. If you're on your own, if you're alone, maybe, uh, I don't know, in the bathroom in the morning, <laughs> just talk to yourself in the language that you want to learn. Because if you do that, then you will identify the gaps in the your vocabulary or the grammar. If I talk to myself and then I realize, oh, I, I don't know how to say that in Tigrinya or in, in Spanish or in English. And that gives you a nice opportunity to look it up, the word that you're missing or the grammatical structure. And that helps you close the gaps. Another good strategy. I use that a lot, but sometimes when I'm not alone and that gets me in trouble, people are like, she's crazy. <laughs> it's pr best done alone, yes. Yeah, working on that. <laughs> we talked about the different language families. But how do you feel the vibe is different when you're learning a language in another country as an expat versus in your own country in a subculture? I think that's a huge difference. In a way, most of us are lazy. I, I am lazy, definitely. Since in our community, most of the Tigrinya native speakers also speak German or English very well we most of the time end up using the language that is the easiest to communicate with the other person and that is most of the time either german or english since we have that opportunity to switch to a language that is easy for both of us we will end up doing that when i was in paraguay and tried to learn spanish and a little bit of guarani i didn't have that opportunity to switch to another language like english or, or german because the, the Paraguayan people would either speak Spanish or Guarani. So I was forced to use Spanish 
there was no other option. And many say that this is actually very helpful because you either speak or you end up saying nothing and, and not being understood. So it, it gave me the push that you sometimes need to get out of your comfort zone and just speak. Yeah, that's true. What do you think people can do if they're in that situation where they have the other option? Self-discipline, I think, and maybe openly communicating with your friends who speak a language like English or, or German, that if possible, let's stick to Tigrinya when we talk with each other. And if I get stuck, then you can help me with one or two words, but then let's switch back to Tigrinya. Or if that is too hard at the beginning, we could just set some rules. For example, if it's too hard to get a conversation going in Tigrinya, because the level of Tigrinya that you're at is not quite fluent enough, then maybe just at the greeting at the beginning. If you talk to someone over the phone, then just have the first three or four minutes in Tigrinya. Then when you get to the point where it becomes more complicated or where you need to say something that you can't express in Tigrinya, then okay. For now, let's switch to English or, or German. But what you can say in Tigrinya, then say it in Tigrinya. And don't allow yourself to use the easier way. We have a, a very basic vocabulary within a few weeks when we start learning a language. And that is a nice set of tools that we can use already. But it needs self-discipline. It helps, I think, if you're just open and clear with everyone in your community, that they may also help you not to go the easier way, but stick to the language that you want to learn. Yeah, that's true. You also have to be willing to go through that Tarzan phase where you you just put in stuff together and it doesn't sound right. You, me, go now. You have to be willing to go through that phase <laughs> and laugh at yourself too. Yes. Recently, I saw a video of my niece my brother's daughter, when she was maybe two or three years old. And she would also mix up words and, and use wrong sentence structure. That reminded me that when we were little, we didn't speak our native language overnight or, or without making mistakes or without having that learning curve as well. So it's fine, it's completely fine if at the beginning we use that very simple, very childish way of, of saying things. Yeah, that's true. The main difference between kids and adults that are going through that is maybe humility at that point. Yeah, exactly. Toby, stay right there and we'll have a word from our sponsor. Then I want to ask you about some of these memory techniques that you were telling me about. Hey, everybody. Toby is very chill, isn't he? I like the vibe. It's nice. Very chill. I feel like we need some jazz music over this. <laughs> but getting into our sponsor here, we have been interviewing so many different guests who are from multinational companies or companies that deal with international customers. Now, that is a blessing and a curse. Because when you're trying to do your finances with an international company, the banks haven't quite caught up with us yet. 
So it's very difficult to transfer currency from one type to another type. That is until WISE came along. WISE has a multi-currency account, which I use for most of my business between the US and Germany, that allows me to get paid in over a hundred different currencies, including Mexican pesos, Brazilian real, and a few other Latin currencies, as well as Euro, a few currencies from Africa and Asia. You can go ahead and check that out in the link below. But that allows me to not have my customer deal with the hassle of switching everything into Euro. I can deal with that on my end. But the thing I like about it for me is that once I have the deposit in my account, to switch it to another currency isn't super expensive like other services that you might be used to, maybe Western Union, MoneyGram, things like that, where to transfer from one country to another is so expensive. Most of the time, if I transfer with WISE, I can transfer $100 over to the approximate amount in Euro for about $1.50. So that's pretty good. If you're doing international business, you should consider WISE. So go ahead and check out the link below. We'll have it in the show notes as well for the audio listeners as a recommended resource from Clever Hybrids. And now back to Toby. I like the idea about uh, jazz music in the background. <laughs> yeah, I need to get a new soundtrack. The question was memo yeah. techniques? Yeah, memo techniques that are helping you to remember all this vocabulary in, in this Semitic language that is totally unrelated to everything else. Yeah, I like memo techniques. I try to use them in learning languages as well. And exactly the point or where they become very helpful is with learning new vocabulary. We already mentioned that it's a completely new set of sounds, the words or the terms that you need to learn language from another language family. So what I tried to do is mostly based on how they sound to me, I would try to find words in German or in English that sound a little bit similar. Then I would create a memory aid using that German or English word that has some similarity in the sound with the new vocabulary I want to learn. And I would build a sentence that contains that memory aid, that supporting word. And that helped me memorize vocabulary easier. It's a little bit weird at the beginning because you feel, or I felt that I ended up spending more time learning vocabulary because you have to think of those memory aids that adds up. And then you sit there maybe half an hour or, or even an hour and you just learn maybe 10, 15 new words, but it's worth the time actually, because if you try to remember what you learned maybe two days back or, or a week back, then thanks to those memory aids, the new vocabulary is still there, still very present, and you don't have to relearn them all over again. So in the end, I think you end up spending less time on learning vocabulary. And it's fun. It's fun to think of new memory aids. Toby, do you have an example of how you use those memory devices? Maybe give us a word and then something you use to remember it. It doesn't have to be Tigrinya, it could be for German or Spanish too. 
Yeah, I have one for Tigrinha. It works differently for everyone, of course. You have to come up with your own ideas. But for example, the Tigrinya word Kansa means pain. There's no English or, or German word that sounds similar. So what I try to come up with is the English word cancer. That's the way I try to remember it. Cancer is painful. Kansa, and then I had pain immediately. Yeah, this is one example how that could work. Okay. The one that I use in German is with mochi. I would like to do something. I like mochi, which is like Japanese ice cream. So I relate uh -huh. it to something that I would like. That's how I remember it. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. Once you're into this, you will enjoy learning your vocabulary. <laughs> yeah. And the main thing for the Clever Harvest Tribe that's listening for this memory device is not so much what someone else uses, but what will help you remember it. So you might have a different word that you use to remember based on your experiences. This is just an example. Exactly. Yeah. I think we're not used to using our memory like that. It was much more common way back in the day when people wouldn't be able to rely on printed material to look up something. And then they would use the memory that way all the time. But nowadays we're not really used to having that brain exercise. So at the beginning, it might be hard. I still feel sometimes it's like training a muscle. If you start training the muscle, it's, it's very hard at the beginning, but it's a very powerful muscle. It's a very strong muscle, our brain. And it's really worth the time training it and making those exercises on a regular basis. That's true. The brain is the most powerful computer ever. And I guess will ever be, yeah. Now you mentioned that now with all this technology, we've gotten a little bit lazy. <laughs> now, most languages you can put into Google Translate or some other translator and get something right away. Why would you say it's still important to put in the effort to learn the language for yourself and not rely on those? Uh, that's a good question. Now that machine translations become more powerful every day. I like to think of an example a translator once gave me when she was still in university studying translation, she said that they once received an, an assignment, a homework assignment, that they should translate and localize the, the package information of a medical product into a certain language or for a certain country. And it was a large text with a lot of information. So most of the students ended up translating the entire text into that language. But in the end, it turned out that the language or the country that was the target country or the target language doesn't really have package information. They just have one sentence that says, for further information, consult with your doctor. So in this case, translating properly some what meant not translating it in the first place. This, this is the localization part of the translation work. Google Translate and other 
translation engines based on the data that they are fed with are able to provide somewhat literal translations, but they are unable and they will be unable for a very long time to evaluate the meaningfulness of the results. They just rely on data and statistics, but that's the great advantage that we have as humans that we can evaluate, we can think about the purpose of a word or a sentence, what the effect should be in the target language. And once we identify the purpose, we will be able to modify and adjust the target language. So the translation may not be a literal translation uh, of the original text. It may be a little bit different or even very different, like in the example with the package information, but that's the work of a translator. And that's the human part of language that machine translations are still not able to cover. Definitely. We have someone in the audience here who agrees with you. Google doesn't translate the feeling, in my opinion. That's definitely what Toby was expressing here. Yeah, exactly. Even though machine translations are getting better and they have their part in, in the industry and in our daily life, of course, for certain purposes, there is the, the play with languages or with words. If you think of a very melodic sounding word or sentence, that's completely the human part of language. And this is what the translators are facing every day. For example, when they translate a marketing text that has a certain purpose or that wants to sell a certain product or that wants to convey a certain feeling, that's where human translators are the way to go. Definitely. AI is not smarter than us. Don't give up, everybody. <laughs> and they can only be as smart as we are because they are fed with human translations, with human data. So they can only copy what we already did. Good point. A lot of guests have mentioned this season, now that we're going into year two of the pandemic, they're feeling that need to still be productive at the same level that they were when they were working on site. Have you seen any differences in your productivity level and what have you done? What I have observed is that we sometimes think productivity is somewhat equal to becoming very smart at collecting and consuming information. This is something that I'm struggling with. I recently came across a very interesting quote that said, a good heart is warmed not by the amount of information that you take in, but by the amount of information that you can retain in your heart. So instead of trying to optimize the flow of information and, and consume as much information as possible, maybe the better way to start from the other side of the process and reduce the amount of information that you consume as much as possible. You can only consume and digest so much and being selective is actually more helpful than dealing with all that overflow of information. Most of the time I feel overwhelmed. There's so much out there that is interesting and, and new and 
in a way worthy of, of learning or, or getting into, but we have our limits. Yes, you can consume as much as you want. The day has 24 hours. You can consume information 24 hours if you want, but how much can you actually retain? And this goes with English as well, or any language really, where you have to be careful not to put too much focus on a certain thing but to be balanced. Most of my clients are really good at business English, but they don't know how to ask someone how they're doing or to explain their day. Other people are really good at explaining their sports, their hobbies and everything, but they have a presentation. They have no idea how to transition from the different slides. So you have to find a, a balance between the two. Yeah, that's true. It's not easy sometimes. Mm-hmm. Toby, thank you so much for being with us today. I know you have your day off, but you still made the time to talk to us. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It was more relaxed than I thought it would be. Your hosting qualities are, are the reason for that. I think, see, I don't bite. You just got to be chill. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it was our pleasure. And Toby, for those who might be listening to just the audio, we've had your information here on the screen, but could you tell us where we can get in touch with you and also the name of FlexWords website one more time for the audio listeners? Yeah, you will find us online on www.flexword.de. Uh, that's our website. You can check that out and you will find the contact details and how to get in touch with us there as well. So you can also contact us over LinkedIn and the German uh, platform Xing for, for the German speaking audience. Yeah, just get in touch. And if you have questions regarding translations or our portfolio, then just let us know and we will get back to you. Thanks, Toby. And FlexWords site is really amazing because it's in nine languages. So you have a lot of options to get the information you need. Yeah, as a translation agency, you should be able to translate your website. Hopefully. <laughs> so it's a good showcase of you guys' work right there. For the Clever Habits Tribe, as always, thank you so much for being here with us today. If you want to follow Toby too, he sometimes has some good insights, just as we saw today. You can follow him on LinkedIn, Tobias Schultz. So go ahead and find him. Look up Tobias Schultz FlexWord and you can find him. Just as we talked about how language learning needs to change and catch up with the 21st century, this month is the two-year anniversary of Clever Hybrid, so we're working on a special project for all of you. We have a project to create the Clever Hybrids method as an interactive course, so we're working on something that will be in an ebook PDF format with links to different resources with me in a video or me doing audio for you and different exercises that you can try. I don't know about you, but I am so tired of having to log in to get to a course. If I could just download it and just do it on my own, that would be great. So we're working on that for you guys as well. Stay tuned and follow us also on Instagram and Twitter to find out more about the updates on that. We'll be revealing little sneak peeks over the month. The handle is at Clever Hybrids there on Instagram and Twitter. So go ahead and follow us over there. If you really want to make sure you don't miss anything, 
go ahead and check out our website to sign up for our newsletter and read our blog. That's cleverhybrids.com. If you sign up there, you'll be able to receive a notification once the course is ready and receive a special discount code. So that's cleverhybrids.com. Next week, we're going to be talking with a business owner in Argentina who is living in the UK. So we'll be talking about how to have a remote team and run it successfully. But until next time, remember, especially during this time of the pandemic, stay focused, keep your eye on the ball, but be flexible because nothing in life is a straight line anymore. We'll see you next week. Thank you.